The first thousand days of a child's life is a once-in-a-lifetime window of brain development. This is when the foundations are laid for future learning and growth. And for children to receive what they need in this stage, parents and caregivers need support, encouragement and information. We believe churches are well positioned to be that community around families. Churches, whether big or small, rich or poor, can play a part in seeing that all children get a strong start to life. This is the Sukunya podcast aimed at helping you take those steps in strengthening families. Visit www.sukunya.org.za to find out more. Today we are unpacking spiritual development of children in the first thousand days. It might be easy to believe that a child's spiritual development only starts once they can read the Bible or pray out loud. But as you will hear today, there is so much that can be done to support babies' development in this area. Thank you to Brad Anderson for being our guest speaker at this lunchtime conversation recorded in March 2021. It's just a big welcome to you all and thanks for for joining us today. Um, So let's just start with some scripture. Um, to set today. So Ruth's going to share the slide for us. And it's from Deuteronomy 6, um, 4 to 9. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So as I open in prayer, let's just reflect on that. Um, So Lord, we come before you today and just thank you for this opportunity to connect again from across South Africa um, and in all churches across South Africa that we can come before you and say, Lord, help us uh, to learn how to uh, teach your ways, to teach your commands and to teach um, to love you more than anything else, Lord, to our children. Um, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we get to to speak about such a topic and I uh, pray that we'll have good connection and good conversation and it will be a time that we can walk away, Lord, with some really good insights and ideas of how we can encourage families and to grow their children within their faith and in their spiritual walk with you. So we give this time to you and we just ask that you'll be here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, the topic for today is that we're going to be looking at how Christ followers and the local church can nurture faith and the spiritual development of children um, from conception until two years old, um, as well as their parents. So when we did research back in 2017, we found that there was not a lot written on the theology, or sorry, there was a lot written on theology and debate into abortion and infant baptism, but there wasn't, there's a big gap in the thinking around the practice and how to develop Um, the spiritual side and the faith of children within the first thousand days. Um, So when preparing for today's conversation, we found uh, some research and one of the quotes says, spirituality means the God-human relationship in terms of spiritual birth. It is easy to neglect spirituality in the sense when dealing with children's needs in our time. Children's spirituality changes adults to explore and re-articulate what is forgotten in terms of nurturing what it is to be human, of caring for what is really important and of cultivating hope. So what's really nice about that was that it reminds us that by encouraging our children in their faith, it challenges us as adults to also become childlike again, um, that we don't overthink things and we can trust simply. That helps us to re-look at the world um, from a childlike perspective. And that's similar to what we read in Matthew 18, one to five. And if I just paraphrase that scripture, it says that unless you change and become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, So there's something in learning how to see God as a child does, how to love God and trust God like a child does to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. So in most uh, contexts, Sunday schools usually start around the age of three um, or when a child can speak, but very little is written or done um, around spiritual development of a child during the first thousand days. So from pregnancy and in the beginning of life. Um, and we also see that many families in the first thousand days disconnect from church as they you know, juggle sleep times or feeding times. And so we see families actually disengage from their regular activities in the church, whether that's small groups, Bible study or Sunday meetings. 
Um, and so the other question is, how do we encourage parents or the whole family uh, during this time of life um, to grow in their faith and in their spiritual walk? So we're going to speak more about that later on. Um, but this is just a, a, a starting conversation. So to put a bit of a disclaimer in there, it's not you know, going to be the whole conversation. It's definitely not the end of the conversation. It's a really interesting topic and there's a huge gap in literature and theology on this topic. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity to look at this more and looking at the holistic development of the child and how it relates to the church, the part that the church plays in developing their faith. Um, and what's shared does not necessarily cover every church practice or theology from everyone here today, but it's just to start a conversation. So we're going to listen to uh, an interview with Brad Anderson, who speaks more into this idea of what is spirituality for children. Um, and Ruth's going to lead that for us. Thank you, Brani. Um, and welcome, everybody. And thank you, Brad, for joining us. It's so good to have you yeah. with us. Thank you for taking time out in your busy day to be part of this conversation and we really appreciate your time. So yeah, to start yeah. off, I thought you just need to introduce yourself to, to everybody that don't know you. Tell us mm. a little bit about yourself, about your family, um, what you're doing right now, where you were previously in church, kind of your involvement mm. in church and kids ministry and youth ministry. Just give a little bit of a background of who Brad is to frame the conversation. Thanks, yeah, thanks. It's really great to be here with you. Um, um, so let me start with the most important things. I'm married to my wife, Anne, and we have four kids. And our kids are, are each two years apart. So they're now 14, 12, 10, and 8. That means at one stage we had four kids six years and under. And so we were in those stage. That was full on pretty crazy. Um, and, and that's where, you know, some of what I'm going to share comes from today. It comes out of the experience of, of that season of craziness. And, and knowing what it's like to be raising so many young kids. But also, I've been um, in full-time church, local church ministry since I was 20, 20 years old. I, was, I started working for a church in children's ministry, particularly children's and youth. But really, my passion was, was kids. Now, interestingly, for the bulk of that time, my focus was exactly what Brian, said. It was from uh, three and a half, four years old and upwards. That's what was considered my responsibility as a children's pastor. Um, and it's only been in more recent times, actually, since I've had my own kids, that you start realizing, actually, there's not just this vacuum that happens between birth and two, three years old. How do we actually start developing faith in those earlier years? So I'm really excited about what Sukunya is doing in terms of just bringing that into the light a bit more and saying, like, how can we, as parents and as a local faith community, be um, really investing in this, in this critical age? So... Yeah, that's, I, was, I was working at Common Ground Church in Cape Town um, um, up until the end of 2019. And then we actually took a step of faith, felt like God was leading us in a new direction into farming, which is really different. So I went from pastoral work to pastoral work. Um, and it was quite a lot of fun now. We're living out a bit of a dream and we're, we're here establishing a farm and establishing a sense of community here in just outside Robertson, about 20 kilometers outside Robertson. It's pretty full on at the moment. I won't lie. There's lots happening here and I'm learning a lot. Sounds amazing. I want to come visit your farm one day. I was thinking mm. about you saying sheep are coming and there's a picture of Jesus being the shepherd. And yeah. if you think of um, when a sheep, uh, I'm going to use all the wrong words, when a sheep has a lamb, a you, uh, mm. a baby, um, the extra care that a farmer needs to take place in that time is also mm. like quite a, beautiful picture of how Jesus yeah. shepherds us in that time and that important time in mm. our lives. Um, yeah. So I think farming is going to give you lots of parables um, and stories. Yeah, the concept of God being my shepherd has definitely become more alive to me since, since making the move. And it's the idea of God being my provider. Uh, you know, as a shepherd, you provide, you protect, and you lead. Those are the three things that for me have really been sinking in deep. Like, and that's what my job is as a caretaker of sheep, as a steward of sheep. And actually, that's what our job, that's what God does for us, protect, provide, and lead, and guide. And even as parents, we act as under-shepherds to God for our kids in that provision, that protection, and the leadership and guidance of our kids um, at every age, every stage of their age. Awesome. So my first question for you, Brad, is hmm. when do you think spiritual development or formations happens? When do you think it starts? 
Oh, it's that's a really good question. I think that that typically people have, like Brian said, they're focused later in life, and and they they say that by the age of fourteen, most of the the foundations of spirituality and faith are established by the age of fourteen, and so people focus on that sort of you know four year olds to to fourteen year olds as that critical foundation building time. I'm actually of the opinion, and there's there's growing research that actually even while babies growing in the womb, there is an awareness of what's surrounding them. There's an awareness of emotion that's coming from their mom. There's an awareness of, of sound. They, they, I don't know if we can say they hear. I think they hear. Yeah, it's safe enough, I think, to say they hear. It might not be in exactly the same way that we hear or the same clarity. And they certainly don't have the understanding of words. But they're hearing noises. They can hear patterns. They can hear tone. And I think all of that is forming them. Now, we know that that forms them in terms of some of their personality, even you know whether they feel accepted or not. And what we've got to realize is that it's also forming them spiritually. It's helping them to feel secure in their mother's love, in their father's love. So just as, as a way of example, we, we read a book by um, a guy named Francis McNutt. How's that for a surname? McNutt. Um, but his name is Francis McNutt. And his wife, I can't remember her name right now, but they wrote a book about praying for your unborn child. And the whole principle was that we can pray over our children out loud it's not just about a pray inside my heart oh lord please protect my child but praying out loud over our child while they're in the, in, in the womb they can actually hear that and mm -hmm. and they might not understand the words but they, they there's a spiritual connection there's a there's a sense of their spirit connecting with our spirits in that if, if that makes sense i don't want to sound over spiritual in it but this is just how god's created us right he's created us for that sort of spiritual aspect of our lives so we try to make a habit when in all of our pregnancies um, to every night be, being laying hands on the, on, on the womb, on the tummy and, and praying for them and praying that God would bless this unborn child, that God would cause them to be healthy, that God would cause their life to flourish, that they would know his love even now in the womb, that he would make his love real to them in the womb. And we would pray those prayers out loud as regularly as we could. But another thing which we used to do was sing to them because they can hear our voices. So we would sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I know, you know, some people say, no, that's old school. You must sing. No, I think that those are classic songs that speak, sing such truth over children. And when we sing truth over children, some of that truth sinks in. And I'll tell you what happened was when our kids were born and they were unsettled, we would start singing that song again and they would settle straight away because there was a familiar, familiar you know what I mean? It was familiar to them. And they, they, they were able to pick up the, the sense of God's presence, even as we sang over them. So I think it started right from the beginning. And it doesn't stop just when they're born. I mean, right from, from when they're, from the first moment that they're out, they are learning all the time. They're learning about God through us. So I think that spiritual formation happens from the start. Yeah. And I think we can see that in Scripture, in Psalm 139, we see that God is in the womb forming us that it's not something that happened later we see that yeah. recognized by the psalmist in Psalm 139. absolutely yeah so when do you think how not when how rather how do young children express their understanding of god from your experience yeah well i think brian said at the beginning you know it's that simple faith right there's i just love i love young children and their simple expression of faith here's what i found is that um, a young child who is secure in his or, mother, his or her mom or dad's affection. So they know that they are loved by their parents. Whatever their parents say to be true about God, they believe wholeheartedly. You know, and so they will just come out with these very profound statements of faith that perhaps they haven't realized very deeply in their own heart. It might not be a deep personal revelation that God is always in control. And I actually know what that means. But mom and dad have said that God is always in control. And therefore, I'm going to say it. And I say it with such simplicity of faith that it's just beautiful. And it's actually instructive even to us as parents because, you know, we hear them say it back to us and we go like, yes, you're right. I need to be more like that, you know, because it's just a simple faith. So it is parrot, right? I think that there's a lot of parroting in the expression of faith in younger kids. And I think that that's perfectly fine. I don't think we need to try and say like, I don't know, let's let our, our one-year-old express their faith in their own terms. They can hardly even speak. But when they start speaking and they can start saying like, Jesus loves me, do they really understand what it means that Jesus loves me? Maybe, maybe not. But what they, what they are saying is they're speaking truth that they've heard their parents say. 
So I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that actually we should even teach children those things and say, say this, say Jesus loves me. And then let them say it back because we're actually, we're laying foundations of faith. We're laying those neural pathways that are helping them to understand and believe, yeah, Jesus really does love me. So I think often what I'm saying is often their expression of faith is a mimicking of our expression of faith. And the words we use, they will use. And the prayers we pray, they will pray. And that's actually really challenging for us for par as parents, isn't it? Because, I mean, then we're, we're, we're setting the foundation of how they're going to live. But I think it's also important as we work with parents that we're encouraging them to be doing that. That, we're not, that they're not waiting. We don't say, hey, wait till your children are four or five and they can begin to understand concepts of God's love. No, start teaching them at one. Start speaking it over them when, as soon as they're born. Pray prayers with them. Say grace before they even understand you know, what it means to say grace as a family around a meal. Say it because it's all laying those neural pathways and it'll come out as an expression of that, parroted. Um, I don't know, does that answer your question? No, it does. It's, and I completely agree. I said to Brownie earlier, I think we, especially in this early stage, we, we need to keep the unit of mom and baby together. That there's, yes. it's, You can't separate the two out. And that parroting, mm. that mimicking, we see that in all the other developments that the child is copying facial expressions, they're copying our language, that they are mirroring that behavior, that they're yeah. mirroring our spirituality and the way that our expression of faith. That's yeah. a good way of also them learning. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so uh, for, as an example, I have um, my, uh, my wife's sister's got a, a one-year-old, a little boy, just turned one. His name is, is Luca. And um, my brother-in-law, Renzi, he loves, he's a worship singer. So he loves playing the piano, singing into a mic and at home. That's part of his expression of his faith with god you know he does it and when they send a family a uh, little video on our family whatsapp group of little luca at the piano pushing buttons pushing the keyboards and just going ah into the microphone and whenever he went ah into the microphone it was coming back through the speaker and he was giving himself a fright and he was like whoa what's going on there but it was it's actually an expression of faith in a sense because he's copying his dad's faith and I mean, is, is it worship? Actually, I would say, yes, it is, because it's imitating his dad's worship. Yeah, and wonderful. that's a great thing to be encouraging people. Yeah. And I think it, it comes back to that scripture we read earlier from Deuteronomy about it's just part of what we do as a family. It's, yes. it's in the everydayness and the consistency yes. of what we do as parents yeah. that our children that learn from that, that it becomes a solid foundation for them for later on when life throws in hard questions. It's a sound foundation that they've grown up in as a faith that they can hold on to. Yeah. So my next question is how do we foster or nurture faith in our children, especially under two and for parents in this phase? What, what could we be, and I guess it links to my next question that I sent you around practices, like what are some of the yeah. practical things that we could be doing to foster? We've touched on some of them. I don't know if some other ideas come yeah. to mind how we can foster this faith. Um. You know, I just had one other thought about the previous question, if I can say it quickly, and I'll go there, is that as our kids are able to express their faith, we need to realize that their expression of faith is going to be very concrete, obviously, especially you know, up to two. They don't have any concept of abstract ideas. So they're just beginning to learn how to put their concrete ideas into concrete words, and then they will say it in a way that's very concrete. So they might start saying things at this stage, at, at like we're now we're pushing that, the boundary of the thousand days. But when they start expressing it in, uh, when they're approaching two years old, they might start saying things and we might be tempted to go like, no, 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 that's not, that's not actually theologically correct because, you know, actually it's quite an abstract term. And we actually need to just relax and go, they'll get there. And we just affirm whatever's true about what they say and say, yes, that is so true. You know, God does live in heaven you know what well, yes it does but we know that heaven isn't a real place and you know we try to no no don't worry about that yet you know that we'll get there now in, in two years i'll just affirm that yes god is in heaven but he's also here with us you know and that's the sort of thing that we can we can start affirming um and i mean the whole thing of kids understanding only in concrete it's it gets quite humorous i saw a child once a whole lesson around how god is eternal and then the teacher asked them to please draw a picture of, of what we've spoken about. So this child drew a picture of a turtle. And the, the teacher said, what's going on? He said, no, you just told me God is a turtle. <laughs> and they had actually taken the, the closest concrete idea that they could to the term that they heard and applied it to God. 
Um, yeah. And so that'll happen with kids. Anyway, sorry, funny story. Right, uh, what can we do? About, I would actually take you back to that passage that we just read in Deuteronomy. Um, you know, where, where the passage starts off by saying, Hear, O Israel, this, this is your Lord your God. And then there's an instruction to the people first and says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first instruction in that passage is for us as adults, parents, church leaders, for us to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And that's what Jesus points back to as the, the first commandment, right? That is the, the number one priority. And actually, when it comes to developing faith in my children, I point back to that and say my number one job, the number one thing I need to do is for me to foster a love relationship with God. Not a religion, not a set of rules, not like a discipleship program, but for me to really love God, to learn how to live in God's love, to learn how to respond to God's love. Um, and that's my primary responsibility because that's what I'm wanting to pass on to my kids. I don't want my children to become church members. I don't want them to become even like Christians in the term, in the way that we would use it in society, where they, they would claim to follow um, this faith in Jesus. I want them to have a love relationship with God. And I can't pass on to them what I don't have. Okay? So I think that for me is critical, is that actually it comes down to modeling. What we model to our kids is what they learn. More than what we teach them is what we model for them. That's actually how they, what, that's what we're teaching them more. Um, so even, and this is true, even in conception, you know, how much do we pray? It sets patterns of thinking in mm -hmm. the child about prayer is important. Uh, when they come out of the womb, how often do we pray? How often do we talk about God? Do they see us reading the Bible? I think a one and a half year old is going to pick up on a habit that a mom or a dad has that every day they read their Bible. It's a subconscious foundation that you're setting going like the Bible is important. Why? Because mom reads it every day. Dad reads it every day. So I actually, um, much to my wife's um, frustration sometimes, I like to leave my Bible out on the table after I've had a quiet time. And she says, why can't you just put your Bible away? Well, actually, sometimes, it's, sometimes most of the time, it's, I forget. But sometimes it's a strategic <laughs> decision to say, I want my kids to know I had a quiet time this morning because it sets a foundation in their life. And this is true. I mean, this is my 14-year-old. I want him to see. But I want my one-and-a-half-year-old to see as well that dad read his Bible this morning. Why? Because the Bible is important. And it just is the laying those foundations. So I think modeling faith is huge. And we need to encourage our parents that actually the, the, the example we set, even when they are one and two years old, is still going to have a significant impact in their lives. And that's where Deuteronomy starts. But then the rest of Deuteronomy just says, in the course of your everyday life, allow your faith to be a part of how you live. And this is so critical, I think, for young kids is we don't want to sit a one-year-old down and say, like, now we're going to have a lesson on, you know, the sovereignty of God. Say sovereignty. No, I mean, it's not going to work. But they're going to see how we respond to life. They're going to see how we live out life. And we're going to take opportunities. We're going to leverage moments, right? We're going to, where, when we see a beautiful sunset, how are we going to respond? Are we going to respond again like, oh, wow, that's so beautiful, and leave it there? Or are we going to say, look what God did. Look what, how God painted the sky. Isn't God amazing? Look at the beauty around us. You know, um, when we when we hear somebody sick or when they're sick, what's our first response? Is it to hey, let's go to the doctor, or is our first response, hey, you're sick, your nose is running, let's pray and ask God to help your nose to stop running. And the more we model that faith, the more they pick up. Actually, this is real. This is something that's true. This is something that's real. Um, so I think that that's it's that in that everyday life. So you've got the modeling of faith. You've got the the leveraging of moments and, and everything like that. But then I also think that there's the, uh, the rhythms, you know, making moments, actually putting rhythms in place that build faith and build those rhythms and patterns of faith in our kids' lives. So even from young, if, if, if we encourage parents to say every night, read them a Bible story, you know, read them out of a little picture book and they'll see the pictures and they won't understand the, they won't understand the words. So what's the value? The value is that they're seeing that the Bible is important, that their Bible is a part of life, and that this is something we do regularly. So I think that should be our mindset as we're encouraging parents and as we're doing it ourselves, of what are the, what are the foundations that we're laying behind the actions, not the actions themselves. The actions might not be terribly effective now, but we're laying foundations behind them. And, and even that concept, actually, you know, we are God's proxies to our kids. They can't see God, and so they find it very hard to know what does it mean that God loves me because I can't even see him. 
um, or that God is always with me. They don't have any concept of that, but they do have a concept of my parents are always here. So yeah. if my parents love me, it enables me as a child to know that God loves me too. Um, if, my, if I'm safe with my parents, then I know that I can be safe with God. If I can talk to my parents or, you know, my parents will meet my needs when I express my needs, then I know that God can express, I can meet my needs when I express it to him. So it's that idea of actually wearing his ambassadors, right? That's, that's um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. We're, we're God's, uh, no, not verse 13, but we're God's ambassadors. You know, we're making his appeal on his behalf to the people around us. That's not just evangelism when we're talking to, you know, other adults. That's now, that's a, a six-month-old. We are God's ambassador to them. And so we're actually teaching parents saying, you are representing God to this baby. And mm -hmm. their concept of divinity is being defined by how you love and give them security, even in these early stages of their life. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I, could, I feel like we could carry on talking because, I mean, just thinking about the fatherhood of God and understanding oh. who God is as a father um, is also plays out into my earthly father and my yeah. understanding of my earthly father really paints a picture of who I believe God is as a father and do I believe he's a good father um, and so just thinking of how we coach up the men in our church's lives so the fathers to play an involved role in their children's lives um, yeah. because they are ambassadors of, what, of God as a father in their homes um, yeah. so there's so much that we could say about each of those parts in there um, I do want to give a chance for everybody in, who's here to have a, um, a chat through, but I just, one other thing, I didn't prep you on this, Brad, but just thinking about um, children as participants, as active, they, they have an ability to participate in church. They're not just passive recipients, mm. but they are active. How, how do you think we can, and this is some of the stuff around how we can encourage practices within the church. How do we help children to be active participants in our church practice, in our faith, um, in our home, in that way? That's an interesting question. Um, and, and, and I guess the question that I think through is like how active, how much of participants can they be at the various stages, even in the first thousand days? Um, and, and obviously for me, in a church context, my, my feeling is that, that involving kids at every age as much as we can in the holistic life of the church is, is the better. So having kids together with us for worship is really powerful from two perspectives. The one is that we are modeling for the kids what worship, corporate singing worship is, but also kids have a freedom in worship that adults don't always have. They're able to lift their hands and move their bodies to the music, you know, and, and in, in many contexts in South Africa, that's, Adults struggle with that. They feel self-conscious. They're worried about what the other person thinks. You know, so that can happen. But let's just bring it right back down to, to the youngest. I mean, can that happen with a two-year-old? I mean, it can. Can't it? I mean, two-year-olds know how to dance. And then they just, they hoy. You know, as soon as the music starts, the beat goes and their heads start rocking. And that's actually participating. And it's instructive to us as adults that actually we need to loosen up a little bit. And we need to stop worrying about what other people think. And we actually can worship God with our whole bodies. So I do think that that's possible. And, and, and then maybe there are going to be some children that are more articulate or more confident that actually we can involve, you know, and we can ask a two-year-old who is confident and will, you know, with a mom up there or dad up there at the front, have a microphone and say a prayer at the beginning. Why not? How beautiful. I think it's going to be a very, a very faithful, authentic, simple, childlike prayer that is going to inspire faith. Um, so I think we can definitely do that sort of thing. But then how do other churches do it? I think they make moments like dedications or, you know, a moment where, where families are, are committing their kids or themselves as parents to raising children. That's participatory um, because now actually the children are up at the front. I'm um, having moments where we actually, if we do a, a church play, you know, don't say, oh, we're only using kids four and older. Have a two-year-old up there on the stage. And let them wander around and bash the drum and everything like that as part of church life. You know, I think we mustn't be so clinical and so, so um, worried about everything being in order. Like if we just open up a little bit, we'll see there's a lot of life that comes from these little toddlers into our context. So, yeah.
Oh, let me say one other thing about practice. You know, we've talked about practices. I spoke about the practice at home of um, reading the Bible together. But I think also one of the other practices that we did that I think was really easy to do in the earlier stages um, is just this practice of um, the praying prayers of blessing over our kids at night. Um, and it was, a, it was quite a revelation to me quite late on in our parenting that actually this is a really powerful thing to do every night to go and pray with our kids. Yeah, we did that. But then to, to have a prayer of blessing that we pray consistently over our kids is really powerful. So my wife and I, we pray two different prayers of blessings. I pray the prayer out of um, numbers, you know, now may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, look on you with favor and give you his peace. And I pray that over our kids. I don't actually do it as often anymore, but I, there was a stage when I was doing it very often. My wife prays, I pray that you would be able to know how high and how wide and how long and how deep God's love is and that you would rest in that love. And it's just this prayer. Imagine you prayed that every single night from the day your child was born to the day they were two years old. Those words become burned into their mind and it becomes that this is the prayer of blessing. This is what God, my mom and dad want for me more than anything else is that I would know the how high and how wide. It's just a beautiful way of us building faith in our kids through the simple practice of praying a blessing. And we can, we can train parents to do that, right? It's, it's an easy thing to teach parents how to do. Wonderful. Thank you, Brad. And I, I appreciate you sharing those insights. I think those are beautiful insights. And praying a blessing, I think we can all practice that even with our mm -hmm. older children. Yes. Um, I want to give an opportunity for people who are with us today to ask some questions. What's popping for you? What did you hear from our conversation with Brad, um, as you think about how you can encourage the parents in your space to grow their faith and to be intentional with the, nurturing the faith of their children, what are some of the things that come to mind for you? In, what can, would you like to add to this conversation? Um, welcome to unmute yourself. If you've got a question you want to ask, you're also welcome to ask a question. Um, anybody want to ask something? Or say add something to the conversation. Cindy? Yeah, um, we had baby dedications on Sunday, and I just think what pops up for me is life is messy, and we need to church can be messy with the kids in our um, environment or whatever. You know, the one couple, the baby was grabbing here and trying to do stuff there. And it was like, that's okay. You know, let's pray over this family. It's fine. Life with toddlers and baby is messy. So it's okay. I mean, I just think sometimes we, we want too much neat and perfect and order. Um, we, we just, we, we need to do life as life is. Yeah. That's my five cents. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. I appreciate that. Thank you. Bernard, from your side, I know this is something you've thought about often. Um, any thoughts from your side, Bernard? Uh, Ruth, yes. Uh, we are very much pondering on this same thought for uh, for the from the beginning of the year. And yeah, I, I like what he said. And uh, I agree with what he said. I think it is just uh, that we are really working on a, let's say, a piece of advocacy, how we can convince people from scripture and from science that it is important for them to do that. You know, that people, because there is some, like you said, there's not a lot of stuff that you can read about it and, 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 and available about the spirituality, but there are some good things, but very few people are using it because they um, they don't really see the need for it. And, and that is the thing that we have to challenge, just a, a simple thing. Uh, like you said, if you only start teaching your, your child at three years old, you know two-thirds of his brain development have already happened. And only now you want to start the development. And, and also, I just want to enhance what he said, is that your child has the ability to, of relationship and their ability to, to, to learn. That's great, Bernard. And can I just say, Bernard, I think it might be worth you getting hold of the book that I mentioned, that Praying for Your Unborn Child. Of our parents. Oh, sorry, Bernard's still talking. Sorry, Bernard, your, no, no, no. Your, your connection seems to be breaking up there. We're hearing every second word. 
Um, okay. No, I, last, thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I will get hold of that book. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I agree quite with all of their theology, by the way, but the principles in there and they lay down quite a nice, like, this is why we think that this is why from scripture, we believe that uh, spiritual formation happens even within the womb. And they speak quite a lot as well about praying prayers of healing over our unborn children in response to any sort of trauma that they might experience in the womb. So there's a car accident, you know, and we actually pray, say, God, please heal any emotional, physical, um, spiritual sort of uh, harm or tra trauma that comes to this unborn child. We pray for your healing over them now, which is also, it's a whole new concept, you know, of saying like we can actually be praying for the holistic healing of our children, even while they're in the womb, because we know they're exposed to a sinful wor world before they're even born. So it's a helpful book. Just you, as always, you know, read it, read it carefully and through the lens of scripture. Wonderful. There's a question in the chat box, Brad. I don't know if you have a thought around this. How can you answer a two-year-old in a simple language if she asks who God is? Or who's God? Hmm. I, I, I just, I wonder about that. You know, God is... If we think about that question for us, who is God? It's such a multifaceted question, right? We can say he's our creator, he's our father, he's our Lord, he's our, you know, savior, all of those things. And, and I wonder, you know, for a child, I think we mustn't shy away from the complexity of it, but at the same time, give it in chunks, chunk, uh, in bite-sized pieces. You know, so if you, if right now your child, you feel like your child needs to know about the father heart of God, then I would say God is our heavenly father. He's not a father like me who's here on earth. He's a father that's way bigger than me. And he's a father that's way stronger than me. And, and that's actually what scripture does often, doesn't it? It refers to God in a term or in a way that we as humans can relate to. Um, and, and, and it's this picture. It gives us a picture, you know, like, uh, let me think, God is my shepherd. Okay. It's an example. Like we, we, we understand what a shepherd is and now we can apply that. Now, the kids, they might not understand things more abstract like shepherd and they don't really know what a shepherd does. But father, yes. Friend, the kids, young kids understand what a friend is. Um, that he made me. I would use language. He's the one who made me. I think that that's a foundation. In fact, there was these three foundations that um, I remember one of the, the organizations developing Sunday school curriculum in the States. They said the three foundations for this early phase are God made me, God loves me, and Jesus wants to be my best friend. Those they were saying is those are the three things that we need to have as foundations in our kids' lives by the time they're six. Okay, so we're pushing it higher than two. But I think that they apply even at the youngest age. You know, God made me, God loves me. So who is God? God is the one who loves me. God is the one who made me. God is the one who wants to be my friend. God is my father. I would try and just take those in terms that the kids would already begin to understand and, and share it like that. Yes, Ruth, I just wanted to mention that I needed this conversation so much. It, it is such a rich, really rich conversation that um, I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm sitting in a community and I'm thinking of all the broken families and all the broken homes. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm involved with Flourish and I'm involved with pregnant moms. And I'm thinking about the first thousand days team, uh, the, 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 the team that, that we just started in church um, at Omdrai. And I'm thinking about, okay, so they actually need to come to my Flourish sessions and yeah, with the, with the uh, uh, lady's permission, of course, and just see and but i'm thinking about the prayers especially to pray over the pregnant moms and um to pray over the babies that that we have so yeah i'm just feeling very blessed right now because this conversation is so rich yeah thank you and i think uh, brian and i were chatting about this um in preparation that there's something beautiful about this window of time in pregnancy when the baby's coming and in the birthing process that actually uh, there's some research written around this that um, women are actually more prone to be asking those hard questions about creation and God and the future and and praying and praying blessing and that they're open and receptive to this conversation, that it is a time that we can pray for and where people will say, please pray for me, I'm about to go into labor, or please pray for me, my, my pregnancy is at risk and there's health issues. And so as a church community, it's a great time to rally around 
um, families and to pray for them where there might be complications and to see God do miracles where babies are turned and babies are born safely and we can actually have testimonies of the miracles that are taking place in this time. So as we pray for pregnancies and pray for safe delivery, um, but there's also that thing of, um, as Brad, you mentioned, and Hazel, you mentioned, where there is trauma, where there is emotional hurt and harm, how we can also come around families. And the church can really play quite a, a beautiful role in, in being a space of healing, of being a space of where emotional wounds and can be healed, uh, where we can, children can learn to, to trust the church and to trust the care and the love and feel belonging and comfort in that space. That if they in a space that isn't like that at home or in a community, the church community and family around them, that extended family could be a real place of safety and comfort for them as young children. And I think they learn that from a young age, that this is a space my parents trust, this is a place I can trust. And how do we create mm -hmm. that safe environment for our children in a church space? And how do we ensure mm -hmm. that they are, are safe? Um, and there's so much we can unpack more around that, but I think it's important for children that for the church to think around how do we, where families have experienced some kind of brokenness, how do we redeem that in this space? Mm. Um, yeah. Brad, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to say, I think that what you just said, Ruth, is so important. I think often churches, they will start going like, oh, we should do something for our two-year-olds. Let's make a class where we try to teach them. And I think, no, actually, I actually am of the opinion, after about four, you shouldn't have, to, you shouldn't really worry too much about trying to teach children anything you know, I, I don't know if you need a curriculum. I think you need a safe space. You need a safe space where kids at first can go with their parents and the parents can feel a part of the church community because what are you teaching the kids? You're teaching the kids that this Sunday experience, this gathering of Christians is safe. That's what you want them to know, that it's safe and that actually my parents are encountering God and I'm encountering God here. I love what Bernard said as well, that they have the, the ability for relationship. And then when they start getting three and four-year-olds and you start saying, hey, now you've got like this class that you can go to. Now you actually, they already have in their minds, this is a safe space. It's a good space. It's a space I'm going to encounter God. Then that's, that's and you've laid a really strong foundation. So in all of my years of children's ministry, I moved more and more away from saying, what's our curriculum for fours and under? And more to it, how do I create a fun, happy space that they want to be here in? And that's the, the foundation that I'm laying is that church is a good place to be. And those spaces can be facilitated spaces. You could be facilitating that this mom and dad might be in that space. If you have that space available, it could be a room that they go to and there's group dynamics and there's things that you could do in that space. But it's not like, I hear what you're saying, it's not an official Sunday school class or a curriculum that you're trying to say, okay, color this in and go through this story. But there might be, it might look slightly different with parents in that mix too. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, so I've loved this conversation and I feel like we do need to continue this conversation. And I want to say, Brad, thank you for joining us. And I hope we've sparked some thinking. Um, there's still lots more that could be said and unpacked and really thinking through your context and where your parents are at and how you can engage them, how you can teach them some simple things to really care well for their children in this stage and in this way. And not to only think about what they're eating and how they're sleeping, but also how we're nurturing their faith um, as a family, how are we doing that together. And so I'm going to hand over to Bryony just to take us through the next part of this conversation. Thank you, Bryony. I'm mute, sorry about that. Um, so I just wanted to share quickly with you some of the resources that we've developed um, for you to support uh, families. Um, you'll see this is the resource and toolkits page on our website. Again, just to let you know that our website is data free um, and you will find anything that Sakunya has developed is data free to download. Um, but there are also some links outside to other um, videos and all that that will cost data. But if you go here, you'll see we've got six um, buckets, should I say, of different types of tools you can find. And I just wanted to share uh, two with you for now that you can go have a look at. We've got the baby dedication script. So this is for churches who want to do a dedication specifically for um, 
babies in the first thousand days and the importance of uh, joining your congregation into um, supporting families um, and around babies and the parents. Um, and then we also have a prayer for babies. So as uh, Brad mentioned, you know, praying over your, your baby every night um, and declaring God's word over your baby is uh, very powerful. And so we've put together just a prayer for baby that you could pray over um, at night and you can send this to mum or dad to be able to do uh, for their child. Um, so that's us. And if you go back to the resource page, you've got it's all under the tools for uh, FTD friendly churches and also the guide for FTD teams and caring for families. You'll find all these resources under there. Um, we also have um, the Who I Am in Christ resource. So you can send um, that to families so that they can know who they are in Christ, but also be able to speak that over their child. Um, and we also have the devotionals that um, we have developed for antenatal and postnatal. And so if you, like Hazel, you were mentioning you're doing that with um, with mums, you can go through the devotional with, with mums and there's a prayer in that as well that they, they have to be able to pray over their children and also for themselves as parents. Um, so yeah, if you have any other examples of how you are doing this in your church or other churches that you may know of, please do share it with us. Or if you've come across anything that speaks about how to grow faith in our children in the first thousand days, do let us know. Um, we'd be really keen to hear about that. Um, but we do have a bit more time now before we wrap up. So I just wanted to ask if there's any more uh, questions or if anyone wants to say anything else. I know there's some of us who haven't spoken yet. I don't know if um, Lauren or uh, Justice or Temi, if you guys would like to say anything and what your thoughts are. Today's session was very fruitful. I don't want to lie to you. I've learned a lot out of it. Uh, the, 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 the way it was demonstrated, it, it is very helpful, so informative. I think we can take this and treasure it for future. So when we meet with the families or the church members, we are able to give answers that are appropriate. So yeah, I'm glad I've been waiting for this session for so long. So thank you so much for, for organizing one. Thanks, Matsupilla, for joining us. And yeah, we hope that today was just more of a way of being able to see how simply we can pray for our children and start their spiritual growth, even within the womb. Um, and I think Brad gave us some really good tips on what to do, um, which we will be putting together in the documents and sending out uh, tomorrow as we do, that you can read up again of what those tips are and share them with, yeah, as you said, your church leaders on how to include children um, under the age of two, so in the first thousand days in your church. Um, Adult Justice, do you have anything you'd like to say? We've got a few more minutes before two o'clock. Yes. Uh, first, I'd like to say thanks. Uh, it was such a, a wonderful way from, from, from Brian. Uh, uh, what I'd like to say is uh, God has made us uh, short at our homes as parents. So now, what we can install uh, is what we practice mostly, what they see, because in most cases, they can speak. Most of them, uh, they're, they're still learning how to speak, but in actions, their, their actions speak more louder than their uh, 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 weight. So what I can say is that uh, we must teach them how to pray, uh, that we must pray, and also uh, God is the source of everything. Uh, there's this thing I've learned uh, that uh, when I was young, that. Uh, whatever you are doing god sees you so now i, I remember when i was uh, at 11 12 i was with my friends somewhere playing and then uh, there's this thing when when you are growing up uh, this thing of cheating on whatsoever and then like i was thinking that god is, is watching over me and even if i can cheat on my friend god is watching then if we can teach our kids uh, when they're still young then that, that, that's a wonderful thing uh, i think as parents we can do to them yeah yeah, and I think just yeah. as you also asked the other night uh, when you were at our events, how do you um, include children in your church, you know, who are running around maybe making some yes. noise, all of that, in maybe in a, in a culture or context where children are not meant to be in church and you want everything to be quiet. And I think it's yeah. quite, quite nicely said is that sometimes it's, you know, life is loud and it's noisy and it's, yeah, 
uh, yes, helping our congregation who are parents to understand that actually having the children there is um, teaching them also to be like children. And as God said, to to come, you know, to come into heaven, you have to be like a child. Um, so it really is um, teaching us how to let go and love God and dance. I think Brad is giving the example huh, of how the children dance and let go and worship. So, yeah, I hope today has given you some answers on how uh, you can encourage your congregation and the parents in your congregation to include the children in your church. Um, but if you have any more questions or just uh, contact us and we can talk through it some more, some more ideas. Um, but, and I don't know if anybody else would like to say something. Uh, Tembi, are you at work that you can't speak? Um, but thanks for joining us. Um, we we appreciate that you could join us. Um, Lauren, how are you doing? <laughs> Nursing a, a sick baby. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she's growing up really big. Yeah, she is. Which is part of my point that I wanted to make is that I've got two kids who are over the age of two and one under, and I've realised how quickly this window period passes, this um, first thousand days. And um, the nice thing about it is that you, um, I mean, once it's passed and they start talking and everything, then um, it's, it's nice to start having those deeper conversations and you see how the, the depth increases with, uh, and what, what comes out I mean um, I was listening to my audio bible and my five-year-old just came out with these amazing questions um, which blew me out the water but what I think is critical about the first thousand days is setting those rhythms for life for family life so and even before that um, but what what I think the first thousand days does is forces you to have a look at those rhythms that you're going to set so that Bible reading at night and going to church together and um, yeah, all that and praying. Thanks, Lauren. Yeah, and, and you're right. It is. It passes so quickly, and so you have an opportunity to be able to set those rhythms now. Um, but and then as you you start seeing the fruits of that later, you say as your five year old starts asking some interesting questions. Um, but thanks for sharing with us, and hope your little one gets better soon. <laughs> so, and thanks for joining us today. Um, I see it's two o'clock, so if you do need to leave, please feel free. But if anybody else has uh, anything else they want to say, um, you're more than welcome to stay. Um, I don't know if anybody else wants to unmute themselves and say something, or otherwise we will see you in two weeks' time. Thank you for listening in today to the Sakunya podcast. We trust it has given you ideas of what you can be doing to support families in the first thousand days. Have a look at the links in the podcast description to access resources mentioned in this recording. And remember to go to sakunya.org.za to find out more and take further steps in strengthening families so that all children can get a strong start to life.